as we've been going through, and each time had a shorter time to do it, the long suffering of the Lord. I was thinking, I'll, I'll go on to the deity. Now there's some good material still to talk about long suffering in of the Lord and in our lives and those that minister as well. Remember last week we looked at Hebrews. We went to Hebrews about the warnings from the Lord. Don't drift. Don't doubt. <clears throat> don't become dull. And don't despise the word. And we looked at that in that brief time last week. This week we, we move on or move further on in the sinners slighting God's long suffering. And I don't know that any other day than Noah's day and our day do we have sinners doing this en masse. Churches are emptying. COVID helped do that too. It just all come to pass at that time and then people, some folks didn't come back. In a lot of churches they just closed down afterward. And <clears throat> sinners... Well, we've got everything. Who was telling me oh, it was a Friday night or somebody on Wednesday was saying that what's happening? Where, where are all the people gone? Well, they've become more interested in secular things. Our society has become very secular. And uh, like this morning, I think at 7 o'clock, the neighbour started mowing his lawn. I thought, that's illegal, but I'm not going to go and tell him. <laughs> I think it's in our bylaws in Albury City Council. You're not allowed to mow your lawns on Sunday at morning because of church. Well, that's gone out the window, hasn't it? People wouldn't even know that existed, that law. But <clears throat> So if you, if you start mowing on Sunday, remember, <laughs> you could be taken by your neighbour <laughs> and accused. Especially if you're a Christian and they see you going to church every Sunday and then all of a sudden you're home mowing your lawn. <laughs> hey, what's happened to that person? They've given up. Well, around the world, people have given up. And we, we see it in society. We see the laws that are being passed, the things that are happening in our governments. Why is it all going astray? Because people have forgotten about God and, and what he says. <clears throat> As listening to an article or somebody talking about Israel, why are they the third happiest country in the world? You say, what? <laughs> yeah, Israel. It's because they work together as a community. They have moral standards on the main. <laughs> and they work together as families and as communities. And there's a lot of other things they said about that. But sinners are slighting God's word. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to understand these things. Lord, thank you for your word. <clears throat> And I pray that we wouldn't be saints that are slighting your word and not honouring your word, not reading your word, setting it aside and collecting dust. Because, Lord, it is what we need to live a sanctified, a godly, a holy life. Lord, it, does, it has its effect in our life, as your Holy Spirit teaches us. And for the unsaved people, they deny it even is God's word. And sadly, Lord, they go out into eternity with that mindset and into hell. And I pray, Lord, that we might be instruments that are used, setting such an example that ask a reason for the hope that is in us, and that we might be able to give them that answer in meekness and fear. Lord, bless the missionaries as they are 
in the respective fields, protect them, use them, Lord. And if they're in third world countries, they are seeing response, a response to the gospel. And thank you for that. Lord, minister to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> okay, so the sinner slighting God's long suffering. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, we'll be moving through quite a, a few scriptures today. 3.25 of Romans. Reread, whom God has set forth, that is the Lord Jesus Christ and his redemption, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That word forbearance, long-suffering, go together. Patience is another one that goes with it. <clears throat> Even in our lives, he is forbearing before we become a Christian to the accumulated sins, we could say, and the sin of rejecting, rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. But in times past, before the Lord was offered as a sacrifice and the final sacrifice, the only sacrifice for sin, God was forbearing with the sins of people for how many thousands of years? From creation to Christ. It's pretty easy. It all comes in round figures. 4,000 years. Uh, from creation to Abraham, about 2,000 years, and just put it in your head, lock it away. So when you read the Bible, 2,000, 2,000, and you can fit other ones in there. And now we're 6,000 years. And God forbear was long-suffering with the sins. You see, the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices that they offered there at the tabernacle and the temple, they covered the sins. But they didn't take them away. God was forbearing, waiting for the final and only sacrifice that could take away sins forever of the Lord Jesus Christ. Read through Hebrews about that. So those that are proud in rejecting, be warned. God's forbearance and long-suffering will finish. One day we've mentioned that many times. Romans chapter 9, just over a little bit. <clears throat> and this is where the Calvinists um, like to dwell especially verse 14 to the end of the chapter. We won't dwell here, we'll just mention a man called Pharaoh. We know, everybody knows, that's Egypt, isn't it? <laughs> Down in Egypt. <clears throat> His stubborn pride was used to show God's power, patience and long-suffering. God could have done it like that, you know. God could do a lot of things like that, but he doesn't override the will of man. In that we are made in his image, we have a will, we have emotions and feelings, and he doesn't override that. He doesn't force us to become a Christian, and he doesn't force Pharaoh to make the decision. But God knew in his foreknowledge that Pharaoh would be like this, and so he could choose him to be an example of rebellion and set him forth as such. Remember on the ten plagues? No, no, no. And after a while he said, well, you can go without the children and, and you can go without the animals. And finally he said, get out of here. But he still didn't want that to happen because only a few days later, what did he do? He sent his army after them. And that's where God provided a miracle, opened up the Red, Red Sea. They went through, dry shod. Pharaoh came in and the flood <laughs> swallowed them all up there. 
But Pharaoh's stubborn pride, verse 22 of chapter 9 reads, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much what? Long suffering. The vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. And he's doing that today to multiple billions of people. Enduring with much long suffering. As we say, time's about up. And it's not going to continue. And notice in verse 19 of Romans 9, that will say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? <laughs> who has resisted his will? Isn't it obvious? You read about it there in the, the plagues that came. They did resist his will, and people are resisting God's will. When he comes and knocks, when he has, a, he has you as a Christian talk to them who are unsaved and not Christians about the Lord, they resist his will when you quote the scripture and inside their head and heart they say, no, I'm not a sinner. No, I'm not that bad. No, someone doesn't need to die for me and shed his blood. Just as Pharaoh in his stubborn pride resisted. Um, <clears throat> and in verse 20, it says there, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? What's that? That's an argument against God when they hear of what he has done for them. They reply against God, just like Pharaoh did. Uh, <clears throat> be warned, God is not mocked. God is long-suffering and forbearing and patient, but he's not mocked. Listen to what will happen in Revelation 14, verse 9. The third angel followed them with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image, this is a time when Christians are not here in the tribulation, and receive the mark of his forehead, in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink and listen to the wrath of God being poured out. This is probably describing it more than any passage in the scripture. Shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. Usually it's diluted. But this time it's, without, mix, it's uh, without mixture, it's pure wrath. Into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That's what's the final destiny to those who reject the long-suffering and patience of God in their lives. And we all, we all can think of people we know in our families I think everyone in, in your family, in a relative somewhere, is headed for that if they don't submit to the gospel and the power of God through it. In Deuteronomy over there in chapter 32, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 35, <clears throat> we read, To me belongeth vengeance, says the, that's the Lord speaking, to me belong vengeance. Remember, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And recompense, their foot shall slide in due time. You know, we talk about a slippery slope. You get on a slippery slope and you're, there's no, it's like a greased slide. There's no stopping until you hit the bottom. Their foot shall slide in time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. Folks, it's making haste. It's moving forward. God's plan keeps going forward. Though <laughs> we live, what, 70, if by God's will we are strong, and 80, 
and, and folks are here over 80 into going toward 90 and some are 90 plus that's, a, that's sort of half a gain of what God promised we say well it's only a short time it only seems like a few years ago I was able to run and um, bend over and pick things up and, and work <laughs> but now I can't but you start thinking about it if you reach 60 multiply that by 100 and what does that equal 6,000 that's when creation was only 100 of you that's not long is it really 6,000 years it's only 100 people living to 60 am I right Dave yep I think that multiplies out and it's all over <laughs> and God's will will be done but from our perspective it looks like a long time from God's perspective one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day it's only been, it's only been six days <laughs> since I created the world says the Lord six thousand years Psalm 73 <clears throat> in Psalm 73 this is where Jonathan Edwards preached his famous sermon no read his famous sermon monologue and God used it mightily to save a lot of people and, and they were in fear and trembling and in tears in repentance. And some, he used Deuteronomy 32:35 that we've already read. God set people in slippery places. And here's Psalm 73. The psalmist is envious of the ungodly who've got so much stuff. <clears throat> and he says in concluding, when I thought to know this, it was just too painful for me. God, how come you bless those ungodly? Cooth, unsaved, wicked people, and they got all this stuff. You know, they got mines and they got billions. Are just waiting for a trillionaire to turn up in the world. <laughs> Maybe it won't get to that point. It's too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. That's four D nines, blades facing each other, and they're in the synagogue <laughs> over there in Israel. But um, <clears throat> and I understood the end. I understand that. Do you, know, do you understand the end of unsaved people according to this book? We certainly do understand the end. You just read the book of Revelation and it's horrific. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8. It's not good. The end and, and Romans 2 that we read last time. I understand their end. Then surely thou did set them in slippery places. This is the, Jonathan Edwards. Slippery places, Deuteronomy. And here, slippery places. Thou Castest them down unto destruction. How are they brought to desolation in a moment? In a last heartbeat. And we used to hear tapes from American preachers back in the days, about 60 years ago. And the, and the fellow was up there and he was given an invitation. The invitation went about as long as a sermon. We don't do that here. Uh, that, that's what they did. And he was up in the pulpit here and he said, You're only one heartbeat away from hell. And he, <laughs> and he kept on hammering and preaching and then he stopped that's it isn't that right doesn't, doesn't it say it here <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> brought to desolation in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakeneth O Lord when thou awakest thou shalt despise their image thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my heart and was convicted in his reins so foolish was I and ignorant, I was like a beast before thee. Lord, help me to understand their end. Help me to understand the end of those that seem to enjoy life 
and grow fair and fatter and bigger in every way and sense. But their end is not good at all. So the sinner slight in God's long-suffering. The saints' long-suffering. Let's talk about ourselves for a little bit. I pray that you're saved, trusting the Lord Jesus. And in the book of Galatians, where Paul listed the fruits of the Spirit, he had this to say in the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We, we know those, don't we? Love, joy, peace. The next one is long-suffering. Long-suffering. It's a product of the Spirit in the committed Christian. A person that is not long-suffering is quick to go to rage or whatever. Don't have anything to do with them, by the way, because Proverbs says, don't be friends with an angry man. But anyway, <laughs> it, it's not for a Christian to be. We are to be long-suffering. We've got a long fuse. When we used to set the jellic night off, you had a long fuse so you could run fast <laughs> and hide behind a tree or a bulldozer. <laughs> I remember once we had a bulldozer parked on a big pit. We're digging down in there to put jellic night in and parked the bulldozer at the top so it wouldn't go through the roof of the shed and had a long fuse. And we went around the other side of the hill and wait, 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 and wait. Kaboom! <laughs> but uh, we need long fuses, folk, as Christians toward one another, toward the unsaved people. And uh, I dare say probably most of us would have to admit when we're really ourselves, we've got a short one. And we could get blown up. <laughs> it's possible only to be a long-suffering Christian by the strength and power of the Lord, by his patience. In the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, it tells us there, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. <laughs> Usually when... We're having troubles. Uh, we haven't joyfulness, have we? Because we're not controlled by the Spirit of God. But here, it puts patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness together. It's, it's possible through his strength, his power, working in our lives. In chapter 3 and verse 13 of the book of Colossians, <clears throat> Christians are to put long-suffering on like we put our garments on in 313 it tells us forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye that's a loaded one isn't it it's <laughs> a hard one to live isn't it forbearing putting up with one another we've all got different traits we've got different personalities I pray we've got the same belief because there's a, there's a true argument <laughs> if we're different in doctrine. But <clears throat> forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if you have a quarrel, it, if you have a quarrel, is there a possibility of Christians quarrelling? Is a possibility of families having a quarrel? That's what it says. That's what it puts it in there for. Because we do. But try not to. <laughs> Be long-suffering before the quarrel so you don't have to apologize <laughs> after the quarrel and sort it out even as Christ forgave you forgive forgive as he forgave so we forgive one another the saints are yes to have long suffering second timothy 3 and verse 10 it tells us there but thou hast fully known 
my doctrine, Paul said, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity and patience. <laughs> he lists them there and others also. But Paul said he had to be long-suffering so many times. What, four times? No, three times he received 40 stripes, save one. He got 39 lashes three times over. And he was long-suffering. You would want to... What would you want to do? <laughs> Better get the whip and get the guy that did it to you. <laughs> but Paul was long-suffering. This is the fellow that wrote half the New Testament. Or half the books of the New Testament. That he had to learn that. Was he different before he became a Christian? Oh, was he different? He was a Pharisee. He was a religious person. He was a persecutor. He was a disperser of Christians. A wrecker of churches. But when he got saved, completely the other way, he received what he gave out. He stood by when Stephen was stoned. I'm sure he, he stood by when Christians were flogged, when families were broken up. But then when he became a Christian, completely the other way, he got what he gave. And, uh, and he bore it with joyfulness, as he says there. Paul exemplified the long-suffering of the saint. Now go to James. This is one that's got uh, quite a few long-sufferings people mentioned in it. <clears throat> in James chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Is that applicable today? <laughs> Who would hope the Lord had already come? Oh, come on, put your hand up. <laughs> Aren't you looking for, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing? Titus tells us to. <laughs> I'm... I'm you say, but I want to experience life. I've had enough experience. <laughs> As Uncle, Lord, Uncle Ray said, the night before he died, he stuck his fist in the air, take me home, Lord, and he did. <laughs> he took him home that night. And, he, and what an opportunity to preach at his funeral when he'd said something like that just before he died. It, it was an open door <clears throat> for the gospel. Be patient to the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, farmer, Waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Where'd Brother Perry go? Oh, he's in Sunday school, that's right. <laughs> he's having long patience for it. They talk about rain coming again this week. And it's harvest time. What's harvesting, Rachel? What's, what's on the menu? Wheat. Oh. <laughs> that's what you want to get in. It's ready. It's sitting in the head. <clears throat> Just have to get it off. You don't want rain now. It's like a tooth out of joint and a foot out of joint or something and a tooth is broken. Rain in the wrong season. It's just not good for the farmer. But he has long patience. When did they plant the crop? Finished planting in about June, May, June, early June? April. April. And now he's harvesting it. So how many months is that? You work it out. That it's, he's watching it grow and he's watching the red earth mites and he's watching the, all the, the locust plagues and the mice plagues and everything coming and going. But it's not his until it's in the silo. <laughs> and even then the weevils can attack it. You see, <clears throat> long patience. We wait a long time. Or the farmer waits a long time. They are patient people. They learn it by the experiences of life. 
most people work for a week and get paid at the end, but they don't get paid till it's sold, and even then they have to wait a few months. <laughs> the, <clears throat> so we have the farmer. Verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Here it is again. Coming of the Lord. What are we all waiting for? The coming of the Lord. Draweth nigh. And so the Christian, verse 8 and 9, is to be patient and long-suffering. Grudge not one. <laughs> Sounds like the, the, this is coming up the second time. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. <clears throat> don't grudge. Don't hold grudges against one another. It says in the other verse we looked at, forgiving one another. If you have a quarrel, forgive one another. Don't hold a grudge. You know what a grudge will do to you? It'll eat you up. And the other person gets away scot-free who did the deed against you. And they're happy and smiling and you get, get more grudgy. <laughs> if you could say that as a word. You just, Wah. God, do something to him. <laughs> sock it to him. And God says, no, I'm going to sock it to you until you're willing to forgive. That's what happens in our lives. <laughs> Don't grudge. Be patient. Have long-suffering. <clears throat> and then we read on, like the farmer. He's likening in the Christians should be like the farmer. And then verse 10, take my brethren the prophets. He brings up the prophets. He talked about the farmer, the Christian, and now he talks about the prophets. The prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, of patience. A lot of the, patient, the prophets never saw what they prophesied come to pass. They might have seen it in a mini way, but they never saw it come to pass. Can you imagine being an Isaiah or a Jeremiah or an Ezekiel or a Daniel in the positions they were put in? Daniel dragged to Babylon when he was only a teenager, mid-teenager. And he's there till he died. But boy, did he have an influence on a foreign, foreign affairs of a country. <laughs> you can say he's a plant. Well, God planted him there to be an influence on the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians that took over. They didn't kill Daniel because he was saying that they were going to do it. So, <clears throat> But you think of Jeremiah, he didn't have it so good. He was there in Jerusalem prophesying. Every side he opened his mouth and said something. They attacked him and did bad things to him. And he said, he, remember what he said? Um, <laughs> you know, like you tell your children, <laughs> zip your mouth. And he did. And, got, and, and, he, and, and, and he said that the Lord's word was like a fire in my bones and I couldn't contain it in. I had to let it out. I had to tell the truth. I pray, Christian, you're like that today. You have to tell the truth because it's in you like a fire the word in your bones and but their patience their patience their long suffering they didn't see it happen we haven't seen it happen the lord's coming but we're waiting for it aren't we <clears throat> and then verse 11 the, the probably the the best one to picture patience behold we count them happy who endured you have heard of the patience of job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. <clears throat> the unsaved people know about Job, don't they? Yeah. They, they do that, like um, <clears throat> what I say about the Jews this morning, biblical proportions. People say that. You, you know what they mean. They're unsaved. And they talk about Job too, the patience of Job. 
Now, it is, it is hard to go from one that is blessed, got a, a wonderful family, got donkeys and asses and all the other sheep and goats and all those things, by the multitudes, and they're all to be gone in a week. It's hard to lose it. <laughs> it is hard to lose when you've had it. You know, at, at, instead of sitting in the palatial house he probably had, he was sitting in the ash heap and the pot churds, the broken pots, and scraping his boils with it. And his wife said, curse God and die, you know. Stop being patient and like you, you are. And, and no, no, no. No, you speak as a foolish one, he said to her. But the end of Job, he, it, at the final analysis in the book of Job, and his, and his miserable friends, arguing against him while he's crook and sick as he was, you just, what is wrong with these people? Accusing me of sin like this. That's what they said. You're a sinner. What have you done, Job, that we don't know about? That all, all this is happening to you for? <laughs> he's, he's scratching his head. What have I done? <laughs> and then he started arguing back against them. And there's some great thoughts in that. Uh, I'm careful not to quote those three friends because their philosophy was often worldly. But you'll quote God, Job and his reply to them, but then you get to chapter 38 of Job, and then you've got God speaking. And Job shrivels up before the Lord. Oh, Lord. And uh, he, he asked for it, didn't he? He said, oh, I wish I had a daysman, someone to go between me and God. He, he asked for that in, in his arguments. He got it in chapter 38. No, he didn't get a daysman. He got God talking to him directly. And, and that's a wonderful portion because God talks about dinosaurs there. <laughs> to Job, where were you? Who made them? What, you know, I am God. And Job just shrunk before. And when we stand before the Lord, I think it's going to be like that. We will say, oh, nothing coming near. That preacher, Jacob, didn't preach about God like he should have, you know. It's only a, I'm only a mortal. <laughs> but we can only go by the book and say, God is awesome. He's mighty. He's great. And, and when we see him, <laughs> I'm, I know, <laughs> we will just bow before him and humble, humbly acknowledge and worship. And praise will come out of our mouth. It hasn't come out of our mouth down here for to see him as he is but patience long suffering the farmer the christian the prophet and job let's not leave off we've still got a little bit to second corinthians before we look at this this is the servants long suffering the servants long suffering we've talked about the prophets and their long suffering isaiah the northern ten kingdoms i just wouldn't repent they went into captivity the southern kingdom that's where uh, Jeremiah was the two, Jer uh, what Judah and Benjamin. Even after they saw Babylon come down three times, finally taken and destroy them, and they left the poor of the land. And Jeremiah was, you could stay here, said the king of Babylon. He can go. You're on my side, <laughs> and I'll stay here. And <clears throat> the people asked him, "What should we do? Stay here or go to Egypt?" And, and God spoke to Jeremiah, stay here. You'd be better to stay here. Blessed. What did they choose to do after he got that message and gave it to them? 
Let's go to let's go down to Egypt. The opposite to what God said. And the servant of the Lord has to sometimes put up with people doing the opposite to what is preached and said. And you know the consequences that are coming. But here in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse four and six. <clears throat> well, it goes really from verses three to ten. Uh, verse three: Give no offence in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Talking to believers, talking to leaders, don't offend people that the ministry of God be blamed for your bad behaviour. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much, what is the word? Right up top, patience. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labours, in watchings, in fastings, in pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering. By kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And, and so it goes down the list of the Christian servant of the Lord. And you say, well, that's the, for the pastor. No, it's for all of us. We are involved in ministry in some way or another. And so there, <clears throat> we are to be in much patience. What would you do if you were the pastor and you saw a person doing the wrong thing you knew it was going to hurt them and the road they're taking you know you knew it was going to be ending destruction you know that the children that they have that are young and are still able to control are going to get out of control what do you do go tell them no. you pray you're long-suffering, you're patient, and pray that God would speak to the hearts of both parents and pupil, child, that they might learn the way of the Lord. How sad it is when people don't do that. They, no, I'm right, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to. If you come and ask me, I'll tell you, and someone said to me, and since they've got it right with me, I remember they were standing out, I know exactly where they were standing, on the front of our lawn, I said, Pastor, if I go astray like in whatever he said, just give me a swift kick. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> About eight years later, he went astray. And when he's astray, do you think I could go out there and give him a swift kick? No, because he's not in the frame of mind to get a swift kick, whether it be word or physical. But the Lord's worked in his life and he's come back. Praise the Lord for that. I can say that because he's not here. <laughs> he moved, moved a long way away. But you see, what does the servant do? What does the pastor do? when you know it's going to hurt them if they keep going that way. It's part of the Christian character, long-suffering. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, your work worthy, worthy of the vocation to which you are called, worthy to a Christian vocation, with all lowliness of mind, meekness, and with what? Long suffering. This word is used over and over again. That's why I didn't want to say, well, I'll leave that and not preach that. 
because it's important that we learn to be like the Lord who was long-suffering, who is long-suffering with the world. We wouldn't let the world go on like it was if we were God. We would have ended it a long time ago. But he's long-suffering. Praise God for that. Forbearing one another in love. That has been used, we've read it already, I think in Colossians. Forbearing, putting up with one another in love, in charity. Because we're Christians, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We're perfect positionally before God. Well, we've still got the old nature down here and we can go off. We can break, we can crack it. And we sometimes do, forbearing one another. When that happens to you from someone else, remember, oh, I've done that too, so I won't respond. <laughs> I won't get angry. I'll be long-suffering. That's what it's saying to you. Endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace toward one another. And Second Timothy chapter 4, again verses 1 to 3 in Second Timothy I charge thee therefore before God, <clears throat> this is a servant being long-suffering, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. When people don't want to or don't want to hear it, preach it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine keep preaching the word Uncle Frank we call him Uncle Frank he wasn't an uncle he just worked for a dad he treated me like he's, I was one of his kids he made little carts for me and when I was a kid and he worked there driving bulldozers he, <clears throat> he got married had six boys and um, he was dying of cancer at Avonsley just a mile up the road from where we lived and I went to visit him the last words he said to me, preach the word. <laughs> he came once to church here and he's, he's a Land Rover, I remember. He's on a, one holiday of his life. Preach the word and don't let anyone pull your strings. That's what he said. <laughs> this is a dying man. <laughs> preach the word and don't let anyone pull your strings. In other words, don't be a puppet to the people. Speak and preach the word, rebuke, as it says here, <clears throat> with all long-suffering. Um, the time will come when they'll have not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's a sign of going deaf. Uh, and people are spiritually deaf with itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear, but they don't want the preacher to stand on their toes. Know that preacher is to do that you know when we when we had evangelists and sometimes we have them come i remember glenn weeks when he was real raw i mean early in his ministry <laughs> somewhere where sandra just there we had uh, i won't mention the name i know the name of the people they were here they'd been coming along and coming along and now slowly getting a family and he got up here and started preaching the earrings I know rings are in the Bible, earrings, but not the way he was presenting it. Sorry, Brother Weeks, if you, you won't be listening in. <laughs> and and, and the, the woman did this because she had earrings on. I just, other women had earrings, but they didn't do this, but it made it obvious. <laughs> I'm covering my earrings, you can't see my earrings. They never come back to church. 
Now, I don't think that's, um, you know, doing, doing what it says here, rebuking, exhorting. You know, it's about sin, it's about salvation, it's about needing earrings, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> no. Ah, the servant of the Lord must be long-suffering. Back in the book of Kings, there was a patient prophet. He, he ministered for a long time. His name was Elijah. And in 19 and verse 10 of First Kings, 19 and verse 10, it says this. <clears throat> and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. You know, he just slew 400 prophets of Baal. And he's been very zealous, jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. And what do they do? They seek my life to take it away. They're after me now. I'm the last one left. This is what the servants of the Lord can feel like sometimes on Monday morning. <laughs> and you get, you get Monday-itis. Yeah, it's Monday-itis for you too. You don't want to go, want to go back to work. Um, and in verse 14, he said this. And he said, I have been very jealous, almost like a repeat, for the Lord God of hosts, because of the children of Israel, have forsaken the covenant, thrown down the altars, God's altars, not the altars of Baal. They'd built the altars of Baal. And slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I alone, am left. They seek my life to take it away. He's... It's like he's singing a, a moany song, a groany, uh, uh, I give up. And you know what? If you read on, what happened? God said, okay. You know, he went to the cave and the thunder and the lightning and the wind and all that. But then the still small voice, that was the Lord speaking. <clears throat> Verse 16, you've got another man mentioned, another prophet. What's his name? And Elijah, Elijah comes now on the scene. You see, the heart of the prophet got to the point, I give up. What did God say to him? Hey, you know what, Elijah? I've got 7,000 men you don't know about <laughs> that are still holding true to the word of God. And Elijah says, where are they? Why aren't they following me? Where are they? <laughs> They're not trooping behind me. But he, he, as it were, threw in the towel. Now, I don't hear many preachers saying that. Elijah was a good man. When we get to heaven, we'll have to talk to him. <laughs> but he, and he did the word of the Lord. He did preach, and he, he slew those four hundred prophets. And you know what it was that got him on this road? It was a woman, and her name was Jezebel. Uh, by tomorrow night, you're going to be like one of those prophets you killed, one of my prophets. <laughs> and he took off. Hey, if God beat the four hundred prophets to fire and the, you know the sacrifice and all that. Couldn't he also do Jezebel in? Did he do Jezebel in? Oh, yeah, he did. <coughs> God did. And <laughs> there was only a finger left, I think. Was it a finger or something left? Of her, uh, the dogs licked it down to the bone when, she, when they threw her out of the window and she crashed down on the pavement. <laughs> I was walking around. We were walking in Israel around that area and there's a part of the building still there. I thought, I wonder if that's the window. <laughs> 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 where she got throw out, thrown out. <laughs> no, it was all licked up. <laughs> the dogs did that. You see, God could have done it earlier, but he could have just stuck at it. But Elijah took over. 
And Elijah got double the portion of the spirit. You read the story. It's a great story (laughs) about how God worked in the lives of these people. Don't quit. Don't complain. Does the preacher complain? Don't ask his wife. She'll say, yes. (laughs) She has to put up with that. (laughs) Try not. Try not. Hold it in. (laughs) Conclusion to the whole matter. We need long-suffering, whether we're servants, whether we're regular Christians, just as God is long-suffering. Let's be long-suffering. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as the beloved brother Paul, God was long-suffering with him, he put up with him, his arrogance and his pig-headedness and all he did to the church, according to the wisdom given unto him, Written, has written unto you in all his epistles speaking of them and Peter could say think of Paul God showed him so much long suffering before he became a Christian in all that he did to the church and scattered them but even in that God used him to scatter the church to, to get the gospel out through the persecution that happened at Jerusalem beginning at Stephen and so God used even Paul when he was unsaved in scattering the church everywhere like a petrol fire just hit it here and went everywhere and people got saved but then he got saved and then he built the church that, was, that he had scattered and he started churches far, far afield up all through Turkey look at Turkey today bunch of turkeys we say if only those churches were still there the ruins are ask Kay she went there and looked at the ruins of the, of the churches in Asia Minor that are mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. The, they had the gospel, but look at them now. They're anti-God, they're anti-Israel, and they're ones that are said are going to come down and try to wipe Israel off the map in the near future, along with Russia and others, Iran. But see, God had a testimony. God used. God was on patience with Paul. He used Paul for his for his bidding when he's unsaved and when he got saved. How long-suffering has God been with you? The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, just earlier, Paul said, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's the end of the story. As a rabbi said this week that I heard, we know the end of the story. We've got the same Bible, the Old Testament, that he reads from. Yep, we know the end of the story. All that's happening, it's going to be some terrible things. But the end of the story is Israel still exists. Though they're reduced by two-thirds, they still will exist. And they will not be the tail, but the head of the nations. And their Messiah, Jesus, will reign from Jerusalem. You see, you know the end of the story. Don't be in despair. Be long-suffering. An account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. If he wasn't long-suffering, we wouldn't have been born. It would have already finished a long time ago. The kingdom could have been brought in back when Jesus was here the first time. But God is long-suffering. Allowed billions of people more to be born that they might have an opportunity to trust the Lord Jesus. Let's trust him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the many different examples of people and occasions where we find 
your long-suffering, the exhortation to our long-suffering, and also the servant's long-suffering. We know the end of the story. And Lord, as Psalm 73 says, I, I rebuke my heart for thinking such things, thinking of worldly things and pleasures only. Let me think on eternity and think about our God and my God and behold him before we actually see him, see him in the word. Bless us as we part and help us to be long-suffering towards sinners and our family who are not saved. Turn them around for your glory through salvation. I ask your blessing and guidance as we go in Jesus' name. Amen.